Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. The Volume. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, Everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code JOHN. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with Code John. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsible on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas. Licensed partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21+. plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, my people? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. I just watched that game so you didn't have to. Though, you probably did because it's the National Football League and we watch NFL games. Bears had a good night because they get a win, but they also get to beat the team that they get their pick, which is looking like number one. Uh, that trade looks fantastic because Bryce Young, holy moly, that's it, it is not pretty right now. So we'll react to Bryce Young. You know, Eberflus is done. To me, the Bears are going to have a fantastic opportunity 
given they got some players on their team and these couple draft picks, especially when you have the number one overall draft pick, to really go out there and buy a sweet coach. And I think, you know, the, the main name, you know, former quarterback that played for them who might be coaching in, in the middle of a little scandal uh, with my man Connor Stallions up in Michigan makes too much sense. But you got to pay. You, know, you can't be cheap. So we'll dive into that as well as Belichick uh, caught on camera uh, and some rumors about where he may end up as well as some other NFL games this weekend. Very, very excited. And, and Stucky joins us from the Action Network. We, we make some bets uh, this week that the, the Giants currently are almost a 17-point underdog uh, with Tommy DeVito against the Cowboys. I, I love it as the season goes on and we get some of those, you know, 17, 18, 20. Uh, you start getting some of those college spreads in the NFL. Early on in the season, some bad teams, you, you know, you get the 10s, the 12s. But once you start getting the three-score spreads, that, that's when it really, really gets fun. Uh, and if you have the balls to take someone money line, you can make a little coin. We will dive into all that as well. Middlecoff Mailbag, none for this show. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. We do them throughout the week. And I'll try to manually answer some definitely this weekend on my phone uh, when I'm bored and watch a little college football. Other than that, make sure if you listen on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to 3 and Out feed. Appreciate everyone that has, everyone that supports the podcast. You guys are awesome. So we'll keep rocking and rolling. And before we dive into uh, the number one overall quarterback, Bryce Young, I need to tell you about my friends, my partners, and the official ticketing app of this podcast. What I need you to do is I need you to grab your smartphone. We all have them. Go to your app store and download a little application known as Game Time. Do you want to go to a game? Are you a Bears fan? Do you want to watch your team get hot? Go outside. Enjoy a game. Are you a college football fan? Do you want to go? I saw uh, the Pac-12 championship game already sold out. Well, guess what? Game Time, secondary market. You want to go to Vegas? Oregon-Washington, you want to watch that game, which feels inevitable? The rematch, part due? Well, go to Game Time, download the app, sign up for your first pair of tickets, and use the promo code JOHN, that's my name, promo code JOHN, and get $20 off. So do it right now, Game Time, download the app, promo code JOHN, do it, get $20 off first pair of tickets. Let's dive into the game. And I want to start with the Carolina Panthers. And this is what makes scouting very difficult. Because you see things in college, whether it's Division II, Shepherd College, that guy went to the Senior Bowl, and I texted people today in the NFL, I'm like, do you think everyone had a write-up? And they're like, yeah, he went to the Senior Bowl, people were on this guy. And then you get guys that win the Heisman Trophy, that star at quarterback, and everyone's, you know, sending their GMs into Alabama. And you really like a guy. I really liked Bryce Young in college. I thought he was tough. I thought he was just a natural at playing the position. His instincts, his ability to read defense. He was just a really, really good player. But one conversation about him leading into the draft, which I think is the most concerning part if you're the Carolina Panthers, and the thing that has to keep you up at night, is he looks beyond small. I mean, he, he, you can't get any smaller. He's literally the smallest quarterback that's ever going to be drafted that high in the history of the league. And moving forward, that's never going to happen again. He looks like he weighs 150 pounds. And that was a huge point of conversation with the player. Because ultimately, the NFL is full of massive players that can all run really fast. Like, did you see Montez Sweat? You see the size and speed of these guys? Jalen Johnson, the corner for the Chicago Bears, outweighs and has Bryce Young by several inches. He's a DB, the corner. So, size matters. And you watch that game and you go, one, 
from a skill set standpoint, it's not like he has the greatest arm. It's not like he's the fastest player. And he's just minuscule out there. I, I found this picture back when Muggsy Bogues, it was ironic because the Charlotte Hornets, or they were the, yeah, the Charlotte Hornets were playing the, the Chicago Bulls just like tonight, and Muggsy and Michael Jordan has the ball, and he's palming it because Michael had those huge hands, and he's looking down at Muggsy, who's basically at his drawstrings. And that's what Bryce Young looks like, a tiny little football player. But it'd be one thing if you're small and you have unreal skill set, right? Like a Kyler Murray, very small player, elite speed, elite arm. He's also much thicker of an athlete than Bryce. I texted a scouting director. I said, what was the best case for Bryce for the people that were high on him in the league? And they thought he had some Russell Wilson qualities. And you saw that flash toward the end of the game. If you were watching, don't blame me if you weren't. That's why I watch for the podcast uh, to, to talk about the game. Is scrambling around, making throws on the run. But the difference between Bryce and Russell, because remember, Russell, that rookie year, wasn't some guy that you thought was going to be you know, a Hall of Fame level player. But Russell was built like a tank. Russell Wilson weighed 220 pounds. Like you, you don't need to be an NFL scout to look at Bryce in the huddle or standing there next to NFL players and go, does he weigh 165 pounds? I mean, honestly, with pads on, does he weigh 200 pounds? I know he weighed 200 pounds at the Combine, but as an assistant GM told me, if you were in that room when he weighed in, it looked like he waddled up to the scale. And once that was over, he basically ran to the bathroom, whether to go to the bathroom, throw up, but it was all fake weight. It was 15, 20 pounds of not real pounds. And you're talking about a guy that people think at Alabama, he played in the low 170s. And listen, he's a really talented player. It's why he won the Heisman Trophy. It's why he started at Bama immediately after Mac Jones left. But sometimes how you are in college and this is what makes scouting such an inexact science, doesn't necessarily translate to the NFL. Because you would have said this guy from Shepherd College tonight probably be a big scrub, and everyone's making fun of him. And you'd go, Bryce Young, Alabama, number one overall pick. But when you watch the two of their skill sets, I, I would still take Bryce over him, but the gap isn't that wide. But when you put it relative to the skill set of some of the guys just drafted high in his draft, I know Anthony Richardson has banged up, and is out for the season, but they're they're not comparable at all. Obviously, C.J. Stroud is a dramatically better player. And then Will Levis, who is now the starter in Tennessee, has a top-five arm immediately in the NFL. So I, I just don't know what his point of difference is as a player moving forward. And the other thing is, for him to be a good player, movement and scrambling... And I don't even mean running, because he's not... I know he had some runs tonight. He's not Lamar Jackson, Kyler. That's not really his game. He, he's much... He, you know, he'd be much more similar, and I'm not comparing him to this player. I'm just saying, like, the way he'll play would be more like a Mahomes, or like I said, a younger Russell Wilson, where you scramble to throw. But if he gets hit at that size, there's going to be a point in time where he doesn't get... There were a couple times tonight where he just ran into sacks. You know, God, is he going to be okay? He got up, but one of these times... These guys are outweighing him by 140 pounds. If a defensive tackle falls on him and he's 180 pounds and that guy's 330 pounds, you do the math. I mean, that's a, There's a reason that heavyweights aren't allowed to fight lightweights. That's the thing in the NFL. Size matters. Size matters in sports. There are outliers, right? Jose Altuve is an outlier. 
Tim Lincecum, when he was winning Cy Youngs, is an outlier. Most elite starting pitchers, most elite starting NBA basketball players, most elite starting NFL players have good to above average size relative to their position. And this guy does not. He's literally the smallest player we've ever seen at that position. And he got drafted number one overall. And just on the eye test, and listen, the the pick sixes last week and he had seven picks coming in this game, whatever, it just doesn't look right. And part of that, I had someone with the Eagles text me, they're like, God, Frank has aged 20 years, it looks like, since we won the Super Bowl in 2018 or 17. He looks, he just doesn't look great, right? I don't think he's coaching very well. Are we sure Frank Reich is any good? And someone sent me this screenshot, uh, I guess Pat McAfee had talked about David Tepper's recent firings. And, you know, he gets the job, Rivera's the coach, fires Rivera, and makes Perry Fuel the interim. Fires him after the season. Just fired Matt Rule. Then Steve Wilkes fired him after the season. Like, this guy has unlimited money, and things are not going well. So to think that this team is just going to go, let's say, 2-15, and 15, and Frank is, like, just going to keep his job, I don't think that's a lock by any means. It's not like you hired a guy with some extensive resume of winning at a really high level. He's an offensive coach. You just drafted this guy number one overall, and he looks pitiful. He looks awful. He looks like we are screwed for the foreseeable future. And obviously the trade that you had to make to do that, I think the Carolina Panthers are in big, big trouble. And if Bryce was ever going to maximize whatever ability that is, and I'm not trying to play, listen, I, I like Bryce Young. I, I thought he was a really good player in college. I, I, I'm pivoting off that take. I would not want him as my quarterback based on what we've seen. And I don't see how anyone would agree. If you sat Dave Tepper and Frank down right now, they would have to take those other three quarterbacks over this guy. And I know Herb Street likes him because he calls these Bama games and tried to be bullish and positive, but it's like, come on, guys. I mean, there's a level of like, hey, there's some stuff to work with, and God, I don't see anything. Average to below arm, not great movement, tiny, coach who doesn't know what he's doing, no skill around him, awful offensive line, no skill position because you traded DJ Moore. I, I, I think Carolina is headed for, you know, just way more problems. And when you have an owner who's new to pro sports and who has all this money, it's usually going to get a lot uglier before they figure this out. So sucks to be a Panther fan. Well, it sucks to be a Bears fan because your team also stinks. I mean, you had to play at home on a short week, Carolina Panthers, and you win by three points. Now, granted, you're starting quarterbacks out. To me, if Justin Fields there, I think you win that game by a touchdown or maybe 10 points. Like You're a better team. You have legitimate players, right? You had DJ Moore, Jalen Johnson. Listen, I don't love the sweat trade or the amount of money you gave him, but he's a clear upgrade for a team that had... 10 sacks coming into this game, and five of them had come in one game. I do think Eberflus has got to go, and I do think he's going to go. And to me, the only question with the Bears is, who's going to be the coach in 2024, and is Ryan Poles going to be allowed to hire that coach? Because the last go-around, the Bears, and listen, the league office, the more and more, you know, I'm lucky to know some of these guys in front offices, and you talk to them, the league loves to get their hands in everything, and place people to help people out. And in fairness, some owners have no clue what they're doing and ask the league for help. So you get all these people in the league who don't know anything about running a football team. They just know how to monetize the league. So you got a lot of, you know, hands in the cookie jar. And the last time, the go-around, the reason Eberflus is there is because Bill Polian played a huge role, right? Bill Polian has nothing to do with the Bears, but he's like integrated inside the league. And listen, and his resume speaks for itself, but 
In 2023, I'm sorry, I'm not asking Bill Polian for advice who to hire as my head coach. And Eberflus is clearly over his head. Honestly, he looks terrible. Dude needs to get a tan. Maybe tough to see the sun right now in Chicago, but lo- looks awful. The Bears have a lot going for them, to me, this offseason. One, they're going to have the number one pick because of Carolina. That, that trade worked out really well. And then depending on where they end up drafting, three to seven or eight, they're going to have another really high pick. And they do have some young, ascending, legitimate impact players. Like I said, the corner, the pass rusher, and obviously DJ Moore. So you hit on a quarterback, you hit on another impact player, maybe an offensive lineman, maybe another defensive lineman, just one of the best players in the draft, and you get a real coach. Like You go hire Jim Harbaugh, because that's what this job needs. I'm, I'm watching tonight, and I'm thinking... You know how people in the NBA talk forever about, like, only if the Knicks were good. Only, well, the Knicks haven't been good since, like, the 90s. People do that all the time, right? Like, if only the league is better when the Raiders are good. Well, the league's never made more money the last 25 years, and the Raiders have not been good. So, does it really matter that much? I, I don't think so. I actually don't think it matters at all. But, in a perfect world, you would have your historic brands and your bigger markets be good. Right? Like the league wants the Giants to be good. The league wants the Bears to be good. And I think they would die for them to make a splashy hire like Jim Harbaugh. Now, the McCaskies, mom and pop shop level operation, never been big on spending much money, which I give, I I said it forever. I think being cheap when you have a shitload of money is a disease. I have no problem being cheap and frugal when you don't have much money or when you're building up your business. But when you're at the spot of all these owners, whether you're David Tepper or the McCaskey family, you're getting $400 million from the league alone. That's not accounting all the other revenue streams you have. You have an unlimited amount of money to go hire a coach for $15 million if you want. If you're not willing to do that, you deserve to get your fucking ass kicked with that Eberflus. So go out and pay a lot of money for a coach when you have a great opportunity to build up your team with these draft picks. And it would be cool because at points in time over the last 20 years, the Bears have been good. When I first got in the NFL, the Bears were good. They went to the NFC Championship game uh, and they hosted it against the Packers. And before that in the 2000s with Lance Briggs and Urlacher and, and Peppers, like they were a legitimate franchise, right? And they're just a fun operation to see because of the brand, because of the city, that the city really cares that the franchise should matter. And they're kind of at their lowest point right now. Now, you know, Usually a GM gets multiple coaches, and whether Poles was the guy banging the table, he has been outspoken how much he likes them, how much they grew this offseason, but it's not working. You can't have this guy as your head coach. Uh, And now I think the only question mark is moving forward, like Justin Fields is not going to be there, is who that guy's going to be. And really it's going to come down to, are they willing to get into the deep end when it comes to money? Because if they're not, then you're just going to be an up and down franchise like you've been. Let's dive into some other stuff. Once a video becomes public, it's everyone gets to see it. But I do get uncomfortable sometimes when videos in private situations, like I don't know if you had a chance to see the Lane Kiffin video of him screaming at the the kid for you know not showing up for three weeks when he was texting him and calling him, and the kid's like claiming mental health, but the kid had, clearly has a thing in his pocket, like you know it, it was I don't know if it's supposed to be a gotcha. It actually made Lane look kind of good. But, like, he doesn't know he's being filmed. Like, Belichick walking out of this house, everyone's assuming he's taking the walk of shame. While funny, uh, I actually think he looks really good. I mean, I, I'm kind of a fat ass right now. I, if, I, I would pay to look that good 
you know, when I was in my early 70s. So props to Belichick for staying relatively fit, especially, you know, he's it's easier for taller guys. I, I was watching uh, the CMAs last night, like Alan Jackson, who's in like his mid 60s, who's like 6'5". When, when you're tall, even as you get fat, you wear it better. When you're kind of short, stocky, uh, like myself or Belichick, you know, you get a little, you get that extra 10 pounds can look bad. Props to Belichick for looking good. And listen, props to Belichick, it, it, like for just living his life. Let the man live, right? But my theory, and I could be wrong, I don't know much, I haven't read much into the story. I don't even know if there is a story, just the, the, the camera. I did run into another video, either from this summer or maybe training camp in New Orleans of him with a young girl. I do wonder if the crafts, like you have to look at football teams a little bit, a lot like the mob. They will do things, they, they have a lot of connections, they just get access to a lot of things that even most businesses don't. And I wonder if they're starting to set out a little trail that like, you know, listen, it's it's not going to be easy to go our separate ways from William Belichick. But if we do it, we just want everyone to know, like, you know, this guy's lost a little focus, not as dialed in as he once was. Obviously, the team's bad, but he's he's running amok out there. So that's that's a little theory I have. Maybe the crafts are involved with some of these video leaks on, on, uh, on Bill. But I did see a story today at Florio wrote about the potential of Bill going to Tampa Bay. Him and Jason Light have a history. Todd Bowles, listen, really good defensive coordinator, not a good head coach. I mean, not a good head coach at all. His, he's an elite defensive coordinator. He becomes a head coach. The defense gets worse. That's a telltale sign of just like, God, you are not meant for this position. And I listen, if I was Tampa, I would be all over Bill. I think there has been other stories floating around about Washington and Bill. So all these videos can come out of him chasing girls in their 20s. Like, guess what? If you were rich, single, and 71, and babes under 35 wanted to get with you, you would do the same thing. So let's let's give Bill a standing ovation, not try to belittle the guy's character on the web. But I, I do think Bill's going to have a lot of options. I don't care how shitty this season goes. And listen, I kind of think the Colts are going to beat him. I like that these, these international games, especially for those of us on the West Coast, much easier if you live on the East Coast and the game starts at 9.30. Like, you're already awake. You just keep in the back. You don't have to focus. But, like, the Miami Chiefs game, like, that was a big game for NFL standards just throughout the season. Like, I, I had to get up no matter what. This game just doesn't matter. Is it relevant to the grand scheme of things? I like it when the international games are this. It's like, yeah, you kind of pay attention. You don't really have to. No one at night after all the other games is going to discuss that game. Beside the big picture, if the Pats lose, this Belichick thing is only going to grow. And I think there are going to be several teams interested in him. And one thing I thought about this week, if they would trade him, I think this trade would be much more like, listen, you give us like a fifth-round pick. We don't even want him as our coach. Let Bill go somewhere else. Part of the Sean Payton thing, right, the reason they had to give up a one to get him in Denver was – do you think the Saints wanted to lose Sean Payton? You think the Saints wanted to go to Dennis Allen? Of course not. Sean was like, I quit. They're like, well, okay, but you're still under contract, and we're not just going to let you coach somewhere else. We get it. You need a little break, but we don't actually want Dennis Allen to be our coach. You're kind of leaving us high and dry. With Bill and the Crafts, it's like, yeah, we don't really want you here. You know, Bill's prideful. I don't think he'd want to not be there, but it will be the best thing for him. And maybe he's too old. Maybe he's lost his fastball. Maybe he should hang up his whistle. Right when Andy went to the Chiefs, he was obviously dramatically younger than Bill will be when he goes to a new team. But I think Bill, for a guy in his 70s, as you see in that video of him, you know, leaving, uh, you know, we don't know if it's a young lady. It could have been like his cousin's house. Who knows? Maybe he's just leaving, lost his shirt, didn't know where he was going. But 
I do think Bill would be revitalized. And, and to me, there's something, anyone listening that's made a big professional change in their life when you've been stuck in a rut, there is an energy that comes with a new job, with a new opportunity, with working with new people. It's like a natural caffeine boost to your body because anyone who's been in a situation where even if you've had success somewhere, if it's not going well, it can drain you, man. I've been there. I'm sure many people listening have been there. And then you like, it's hard because you eventually got to wear it that you failed or you didn't have success. But a lot of people that have gotten bankrupt have bounced back and to bigger and brighter things. Right, So I, I do think that Bill, if this team wins three or four games, which they feel destined to be, and is a coach somewhere else, could have a couple good years if he had a quarterback. And like we talked about, you, you can only be a good coach with a good quarterback. It's, it's impossible. Like you can't – no one's winning with Mac Jones. you just not. You can put Mac Jones on the 85 Bears, and they would have some issues. So part of having a good team is having a good quarterback. You don't need a great quarterback. You can win with – like you can win with – Alex Smith, not win big, but like you can win, go to the playoffs every year with a serviceable, above average starter. But you, you have no chance to win with a guy that's in the bottom 10. You, you just don't. I mean, look at Carolina Panthers. Team sucks, but their quarterback's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, right? The Bears, same thing. Like, and their team's better. But when your quarterback play is bad, you're, you're just going to lose more often than you win. A couple teams this week who could kind of sneaky have some big muscle flex. I think two of the better games on Sunday or Lions uh, against the Chargers. Chargers sneaky back. Like they're 4-4. Four and four. They're playing pretty good football. Their defense actually been better. And the Jags against the Niners. Both these teams, if either one of them wins, they're 7-2 and two and look like they are on cruise control to win their division. But if the Lions go beat the Chargers, who are playing good football, and it's, listen, it's going to be a home game. I'm telling you, we I, I said this to Coward weeks ago when you just pulled up their schedule. It's like they could win 40 games. It's not inconceivable that they could win 15. They've already won some of their tougher games. And if you win this, all of a sudden, like Google their schedule kind of opens up. I do think they would be in the mix just based on their opponents to be the number one overall seed. And listen, we already acknowledge the Lions are good. Like the Lions are a good team. Are they a Super Bowl team? I wouldn't go that far, right? I, I wouldn't put them there, but they're really good. I would expect them minimum to win a playoff game and be a team that even in the second round could cause some headaches, right? But all of a sudden, you start winning a game like this on the road uh, against Herbert. I, I'm, I'm telling you, their, their, their dream to, uh, to have several home playoff games uh, is very much alive. And then the Jags and the Niners. And listen, the Niners have been beyond shitty the last three weeks. The last two weeks, defensively, they've been terrible. Uh, they're coming off a bye. They add Chase Young. I think a lot of people, if, let's say they had won two of those games, hadn't been on a three-game, they'd be like a 10-point favorite. Maybe not 10, but like a touchdown favorite in this game. So right now, they're a three-point favorite, and that's with three straight losses to a team that's 6-2. and two. And here's the thing with their defense. It's really struggled in terms of covering people. And one thing the Jags do well, a lot of weapons. Ridley, Kirk, Ingram. ETN is basically just a you know a hybrid pass catching running back, so I, I I think this is going to be a sneaky tough spot for him, and this is going to be all eyes Wilkes down to the booth, you know if that defense like are they going to get it together because this was defense early on in the season that just looked like they've looked the last couple of years. Now you're playing a quarterback. The other thing that sneaky gives the 49ers some trouble are quarterbacks, not necessarily like running quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, but guys who can scramble and keep plays alive. 
and that's Trevor Lawrence. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think if either one of these two teams wins, they're seven and two. We're talking about a thirteen or fourteen win season. And to me, if the Lions win 13, 14 games, the Detroit Lions, I don't see how Dan Campbell's not the coach of the year. Last but not least, I'm fascinated by this game because I think a couple years ago when John Gruden got fired in the middle of the season, right? Or it wasn't even the middle. It was like week four or five. It was during Monday Night Football. I think the Ravens were playing. And by halftime, it was clear he was done. And... Rich Passaccia took over, and then a couple weeks later, Henry Ruggs kills the girl and her dog in his Lamborghini or whatever, or Porsche. It was a crazy time. And Rich Passaccia, who was the interim head coach, not just handled it as a professional, but kept the train on the tracks, and that team made the playoffs. And there was a lot of internal support. <clears throat> Derek Carr, Max Crosby, all those guys wanted him to be their head coach. He, got, he went with Josh McDaniels. And a lot of people thought that was the wrong move. A lot of people internally thought that he fucked up. I don't know if Rich would have been a good head coach. Perfect place, perfect time. But that is something that Mark Davis has not forgot. And obviously he just fires Josh McDaniels, who it is crazy. Every single day, I see something on the internet of one of their players kind of indirectly talking shit about how terrible Josh McDaniels was. You can't even make up how miserable the stories I've heard that it sounded in the building with this guy. It's crazy when you get a second opportunity and you know the issue that you had the first time and you just do the same thing over again. And it gets back to, I think you can change in life, but when you start going through tough times, it's easy to change when everything's going well and be a new guy, be a new person, right? Hell, as a golfer, it's easy on on the driving range to change your golf swing. Well, what happens under pressure? What happens after you hit one out of bounds? You usually kind of freak out and resort back muscle memory. It's no different psychologically to the way we're wired. And what happened to Josh last year? Some terrible losses. And it got ugly, and it got ugly fast. Hell, he went there. He thought Tom Brady was going to come. They thought they were going to replace. He thought never thought Derek Carr was going to take a snap. And then Tom Brady didn't come, right? Went back to the Bucks for a year. So after the retirement, weird thing happened. So immediately it got off to a weird start and everything backfired. And then he resorted back to exactly what he was. The muscle memory of his brain just became the asshole that no one could stand. And he couldn't overcome it as a scheme guy, right? His schematics because the talent on his team wasn't good enough. So he couldn't coach anybody and everyone hated him. It became this powder keg, which happened. And then who's there? A lot like a rich, a leader, a guy that everyone respects, which matters. And we see some guys in football who have that attribute, who are awesome at their job. Like, watch the Steelers and watch the Ravens. Their head coaches don't do anything with offense, defense, or special teams. I'm not saying they don't influence or anything, but during a game, they don't call any of it, and a lot of times they're just there to call timeouts and scream at the refs. Watch Harbaugh and watch Tomlin. Hell, Campbell, a lot of guys are like that, but they are great leaders. I mean, Mike Tomlin is known as one of the greatest leaders in the history of the league. I think Dan Campbell feels like he's kind of becoming that. Whenever I watch Dan Campbell talk, I'm like, God, I don't want to play for this guy. This guy feels like, you know, a dude that every guy in that locker room believes in. And and that matters. And that's what I think Antonio Pierce definitely had as a player. And I think that's why Mark Davis pulled the trigger right now. Because I think his players were telling him, this guy's the opposite. This guy's done at the highest level. Give this guy a shot. So it was an easy one for Mark. And listen, what Rich, why he gave him the opportunity to get the job is because he won. 
So Antonio Pierce got to win these games. And this is a good example. Sunday night football. Everyone watching. You're playing Zach Wilson. You're not playing Aaron Rodgers. You're not playing Joe Namath. You're not playing Vinny Testaverde. You're getting Zach fucking Wilson with an offensive line that is not any good. This is a winnable game. And you win games like this, I think Antonio Pierce, if he just gets this team in the mix, and, I mean, they win this game, they'd be 5-5. Five and five. And if he can get them around nine wins, even if they miss the playoffs, I don't want to say he'd be a lock because I do think Mark Davis would be very interested in Jim Harbaugh. But I, I, I do think he wants to hire this guy, right? But you got to win to get hired, right? You got to win to get hired. And I, I do think the opportunity is there. And on the flip side... They're basically going through the same thing that they went through last year. The difference is when the season started, you had the hope with Aaron Rodgers, but that ended immediately. But you watch this Jets team, it's just the same shit over and over and over. Even the games they win. The games they win, the games they lose, the Eagles games, the chart, they all kind of look the same. Just maybe they get the pick six or maybe they don't. But the offense, the putrid passing game, the if you're betting on them, if you're a fan of the team, if you're just watching the game like myself and you just are just entertained, right, sitting on your couch, whenever he comes out and the offense rolls out, you have no faith. When they get multiple first downs in a drive, you are surprised. You have absolutely no faith that they can drive the field and help get in like field goal range, let alone go on touchdown drives. So it's not Robert Sala's fault that they made the move, but I do think that like, this is the opposite, right? You start losing some of these games. The Charger game, what was that? Everyone was watching. This game, everyone was watching. And, and maybe he's getting next year no matter what because Rodgers is coming back off the injury. But you can already see, like, it, it's difficult. It, it's it's very, very difficult in the NFL to overcome not winning. You know, no matter how much they like you, no matter how much they're paying you. Unlike Josh McDaniels, everyone likes Robert Sala. He's an easy guy to like. High character, gets along with people, natural leader of men. People like the human being. But this is a bottom line business. Josh McDaniels could have been the biggest asshole in America. If he would have been going 11 and 5 or 11 and 6 and going to the playoffs every year, no one would have cared. Well, the players might have, but the owner and the fans would have all supported him. And if the Jets go under 500 again, it's like, well, where are we really going here? We're just keeping our fingers crossed. That Aaron Rodgers, after listening to Dolphins have sex, that his Achilles can, uh, you know, be be healed and fixed in 2024, and we're good. I wouldn't have great faith in that, especially when you play on a surface that everyone tears something at MetLife. Like he's just going to be fully healthy again next year. So it's just it, it's tough. I, this game, Raiders Jets. You say it out loud. It's not, I'm fascinated by this. I can't wait for Sunday Night Football. Okay, let's get to uh, a little thing we like to call the bold take of the week. And it's brought to you by my friends at Guinness. And I, I, I thought last week the USC Trojans would lose and that Caleb Williams' career would end. And then when the visual came out of him crying with his mom and they lost, I thought, God, I, I, think, I thought he was crying because that was his last college football game. I was like, I nailed it! Turns out, no, because technically they're still alive. They play Oregon this week. But I, I've been close. C.J. Stroud is a lock for Rookie of the Year. And it's impossible, I would say, for a rookie quarterback to honestly look as good as as he is, let alone to be like a Pro Bowl-level guy. And C.J. Stroud is just going to be in that mix. You go on the road as a big underdog against a team that I think we all acknowledge right now 
looks like currently these last couple weeks the best team in the NFL in the Cincinnati Bengals. And they have one of the best quarterbacks. Uh, Jamar Chase, who got banged up from that fall. Higgins is now hurt. You know, the defense, while led by a good coordinator, statistically has been giving up a lot of passing yards. What if C.J. Stroud rolls in there, the Texans win that game, and he throws for like three touchdowns? In a two-week span, he's got eight touchdowns, and they've just won a couple games, and they're like, God, are the Texans a potential wildcard team? It would be on the table. Could C.J. Stroud, he's not there yet. I'm not, I'm not putting him you know, with the Burrows and the Lamars. You win a game like this, when everyone's kind of paying attention, you throw three or four touchdowns, you get basically like, you know, eight, nine, ten touchdowns in over a two-week span. You get your team into the playoff mix heading into the middle of November. Does he start getting some MVP buzz? Does he start getting some MVP buzz? So, bold take of the week. I think the Texans roll in Cincinnati. C.J. Stroud throws some touchdowns. They win. And we start talking about C.J. Stroud like pro bowler, MVP. Buckle up, Texans fans. You guys would be well alive. That is my bold take. Brought to you by Guinness. Gather your friends, raise your glasses, and toast to a win. Guinness, drought, stout, imported by Diageo Beer Company, USA, New York, New York. Please drink responsibly. Don't miss the action this weekend when the Colts and the New England Patriots head to Germany for the NFL Frankfurt Games. These games will air on NFL Network and stream on NFL Plus. For a limited time, Verizon customers can get Netflix and NFL Plus for $25 a month with Plus Play. That's $120 in annual savings. Plus Play is a platform where Verizon customers can shop, manage, and save on the subscriptions you already love, like NFL Plus. With NFL Plus Premium, you get access to live games on mobile, NFL Red Zone, and NFL Network, which means you can catch the Frankfurt games and save. Just go to verizon.com slash the volume to bundle and save before the games. Hurry, this offer ends soon. Again, that's verizon.com slash the volume. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older. 
who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Okay, back at it again with the man from the Action Network. Big bets on campus, and you can find him firing off tweets all weekend long when football's going. And he told everybody, it seemed bleak, it seemed ugly. But Hammer, Dabo Sweeney, and the Clemson Tigers... And as Dabo said after the game, you better buy that fucking stock because Clemson is coming. I don't know about that, but Clemson did beat Notre Dame. Uh, Stucky, what's up, bro? Hey, what's going on, brother? Yeah, it was uh, it was a cruel Sunday, though. I had the the Cowboys. Chiefs got there easily, but I had the Cowboys who, I, I don't know how they didn't win the game. They did everything that I thought they were going to do, but racked up 500 yards of offense and just kept failing at the goal line over and over and over again. Couldn't even couldn't even not step on out of bounds and get the two, which would have pushed. It was crazy. And then I had the Texans who didn't have a kicker, and I knew that they weren't going to kick the extra point. So yeah, that's that's what happens on uh, some NFL Sundays. It's an oblong ball. Sometimes it doesn't bounce your way. Um, but we're on to uh, week ten in the NFL and week eleven in college football. It's crazy. Yeah, as as Belichick would say, coming out of uh, the young lady's house, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati, yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, you know, what's crazy is like the Texans thing, while it really sucks, at least you go, well, their kicker's injured, they're, they kicked a field goal with like a DB or whatever. When that shit happens as a gambler, you're kind of screwed. The Cowboy thing, it's like, how do you not run the route into the end zone an extra six inches? How, Dak Prescott, like, can't I, I'm sorry, there. you can't step out of bounds on that play, leap at the four-yard line, do whatever. You just can't. Like, that, that was the worst loss for a good team, like I could ever remember, that needed like my whole take coming into that game was like, when's the last time McCarthy had a win where the Cowboy fans were like, "That's my fucking coach," and he was about to get one, and then but he didn't, and it's like, oh, great loss. I mean, that's like defines the Cowboys. Great loss. Yeah, basically ends the division too, and yeah, I mean, look, the 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 thing that's the worst part about the Houston game was that there was a fumble. Tampa had a fumble. Three guys were around it for Houston all missed it and it bounced right in Evans's hands and they scored a touchdown. You get that fumble, the game was over. And then I had to watch the Eagles recover all three of their fumbles that magically. Yeah. So it's one of those days, but yeah, I agree with you. Dak couldn't like, that's always been the knock on him and he played awesome. And they just ripped apart the Eagles, especially in the slot. CD lamb, Jake Ferguson went nuts, but Dak has just never been able to make that key play when it counts. And you, know, you mentioned going out of bounds 
You mentioned the route short. The biggest thing is your first and goal at the six got down there somehow in 20 <laughs> seconds from like your own 10. You have four and you're you've, you've thrown for 400 yards. They cannot defend you. They're lost. No. You have four shots in the end zone. No matter what you do, you cannot take a sack there. So, yeah, I, 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 very. it was a frustrating game to bet. It was horrifying to, to watch that game. But, yeah, for Cow- for the Cowboys, like, the doubts will creep back in when they, you know, whenever they face one of the top teams in the NFC. It seems like they're just a one little tier below. Can they break through? Uh, we'll see. But that was, that was about as well as they can play. And the Eagles didn't play well. Granted, they got unlucky. Yeah, with fumbles and other things. But again, can't get there. Totally agree. I mean, when you lose a game and your quarterback's awesome, it's just a huge kick in the dick. Like Notre Dame, like they they get kind of shoved around by Clemson. Well, their quarterback looked like an undrafted free agent. Like you're you're yep. not against that defense on the road. Even if you wanted, we talked about last week. Dabo, they they have lost some pretty crazy games this year. And that defense clearly has a bunch of NFL guys. And Sam Hartman, who, you know, threw a couple games, it was like, damn. And I remember texting some of my NFL buddies. They're like, you know, I, I had like a seventh undrafted free agent, that type grade on him transferring. But, you know, eyes are open now, this tough stretch. And he's a guy that went through that tough stretch. And even though they won some of those games, I would say Sam Hartman's stock didn't budge much into people that had a lot of questions on him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the quarterback, quarterback has a great day and you don't win. I'm just, as a better the the bets two quarterback performances last week were Dak and Stroud, and I didn't catch either of those bets as a dog <laughs> at point favor. So yeah, it's it's painful, but yeah, the questions remain and rightfully so about this Dallas team. And there's not many teams in the conversation in the NFC, right? And Dallas is supposed to be one of them, but the questions will remain and uh, rightfully so. Yeah, to me, the NFC is just. I mean, we'll see with the Niners this weekend if they can get back. Adding Chase Young, the Lions have a big game against the Chargers. Honestly, it's not a great slate in terms of just on-paper matchups. That, to me, is one of the more interesting games. The NFC with the Eagles, who have just not really been right all season, but they are even going through this tough stretch. If they get to 13-14, like, they're just probably going to have the number one seed, uh, I guess, unless this is a big week for the for the Lions, but... You know, the Niners and Cowboys with some just shitty losses have kind of played themselves out. And let's face it, like, even if the conference is nowhere near as deep as the AFC, which is clearly taking shape, I mean, the Bengals currently, because they've lost division games, are in last place. They look like arguably the best team in the league right now. It's just a lot harder in the AFC. I mean, some of those first-round games are going to be fucking hard, right? In the NFC, some of these matchups, I think the wildcard teams are going to be favored, right? You know, with, like, the Niners and the Cowboys potentially against, like, the Saints and... I don't even know who the other, you know, if they had to play, like, if it was Niners at Seattle, let's say, right? It could just, so it's going to be very fascinating to watch that all play out just because, and it it's what we thought coming into the season because the better quarterbacks were in that conference, like even the Chargers. Listen, I'm never going to get behind Brandon Staley, but they win this weekend. They're clearly alive, right? Yep. Yeah, they're, they're right, because then their schedule for the next three or four weeks besides the Ravens is pretty easy. The Lions, I think the Lions need to get the one. Like, the Lions aren't going outdoors with Goff and winning against any elite teams in the NFC. So the but even Lions, the two seed, would, two seed would get you multiple home games. Yes, two seed would be big. One seed, obviously, would be huge. So that's really important for Detroit. The other teams in the NFC are pretty 
Well, the way that the, the Dallas is playing, I think that they actually would – they don't want to play like a physical game with San Francisco or Philadelphia outdoors in the winter. So it hurts them even more now that they can't win that division and get the one seed. So, yeah, it's. I think it's. this is an important important couple games for San Francisco. I think they'll ultimately be fine. Um, but I, I think it's either San Francisco or Philly that comes out of the NFC. We'll see if anyone else can emerge. But, um, yeah, not the greatest slate this week, but uh, I think there's some – some bettable games out there. Well, let's start. I, I kind of looked at it. I mean, it's not an easy week to bet. Let's start with the Packers, who are just – it's pretty clear this quarterback's not going to be their guy. I would bet against him being their starting quarterback in 2024. But unlike the Giants, they didn't financially fuck themselves with a crazy contract or even pick up his fifth-year option, so it's pretty easy to pivot. They, they beat the crap out of the Rams, who clearly are pretty terrible. So I, I don't quite know what to make of them. But the Steelers – it's just really hard to trust that offense. Now, Minka's out still, uh, but that pass rush, Jordan Love on the road, uh, it's hard. I mean, I, I was all in on the Steelers early in the season. They've shown some signs of life, but they're just a hard team to feel comfortable betting. I, 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 who do you like in this game? Yeah, I took the Packers plus three and a half. I, I, the Steelers, look, they've been – We do, on Action Network, we do these things called luck rankings that look at, like, everything – you know, turnovers, red zone performance, fumbles, you know, just every potential uh, metric that kind of looks at your expected wins versus what your actual wins are. Through nine weeks, the Steelers are the luckiest team ever uh, since we've been doing this. They ha- are five and three. They should be- they have an expected record of two and six. Like this is a team that is five and zero oh in one score games. The Ravens had all the drops. They got the defensive touchdowns against the Browns. I mean, they've been outgained in every single game uh, this season. One of only 32 teams in NFL history that, that, that that's happened to in 100 years. And they're 5-3, and three, the only team that's uh, had this. Who, who's, be, who's better? If, if, you, if they played on a neutral site, who would you put your money on, them or the Browns? Oh, the Browns. I mean, the Browns. Because the, Browns, the Ravens and Bengals are clearly better to me than both those two teams. And it's just what one of those two teams is going to – I mean, one of those two teams is probably going to be a playoff team, right? Yeah, Browns – I mean, I think the Browns are the best defense in the league. Like, the Browns' secondary sets them apart from the Steelers. And, I mean, the Steelers without Mika Fitzpatrick, it's not that great of a secondary. And, I mean, the Browns now have offensive line injuries. But both – you know, Watson just isn't the same. Both offenses are pretty similar um, and very limited. But the Browns have an elite defense – the Steelers' defense is just middle of the road. They have, you know, a guys in good like pass rush. Smith who can change games and win them on their own. But overall, I take the Browns. Um, I think right now the Ravens are the best team in the league. Not, I'm not just saying that as a Ravens fan. Um, but yeah, and the Bengals are emerging. Now, I mean, that division as of right now, going into this week, the AFC playoffs are the division winners and everyone in the AFC North. If the uh, season ended today, but the Steelers have been extremely lucky. This offense, I mean. It's bad. Um, Pickett somehow finds like magic in the final five minutes of the game. Yeah, but they've gone three and out forty-seven percent of their drives. I mean, in comparison, the Packers thirty-seven percent, and they've been a bad offense. But look, so I, I make these teams, well, say, I, say that say that percent one more time. The Steelers forty-seven percent highest in the league. Jesus, so it's basically fifty-fifty shot of going three and out every three time out. they get the ball. Yeah, um, yeah, they've been outgained every single game. Um, the five and zero in one score games, and by the way, the Packers are one and three in one score games. They've had three losses by a combined seven points. 
It's like they've been feisty. They just can't get it going in the first half for whatever reason. But, you know, I just – I cannot get to – I can't lay – cannot get to this number. I, I think these teams, you know, are pretty even. Like, if you look at them, especially without Fitzpatrick, Packers now getting healthier on defense. You, know, you had Jair Alexander who was out a bunch. You know, your linebackers are now healthy. Your offensive line had some injuries. It's now healthy. And the most importantly, Aaron Jones is now fully healthy. He finally got a full workload last week. He's your best player. They can feed him here. But I look at these teams, they're pretty similar. I mean, the, the Packers have two really good pass rushers, too. Rashawn Gary's really good. They probably have a little better secondary when Fitzpatrick's out, but very limited quarterback, limited passing attack. I mean, I would say Packers are the better running back, the better offensive line. Like, these teams are very similar. Low total, asking the Steelers to win by margin. No thanks. And, and by the way, this is when you want to fade Tomlin. Underdog, T- Mike Tomlin is the king. But <laughs> as a favorite of more than a field goal, 55, 71, and 1 against the spread, 43%. Only coach less profitable over the last 50 years as a favorite of more than a field goal, Mike Shanahan. Uh, he was very conservative, so he was always bad as a favorite. And sometimes that comes out in college once in a while. And oh, yeah. uh, as against teams that are under sometimes. 500, yeah, a lot of times, he's 42%. So like this is the classic fade the Steelers spot. They've been extremely lucky. Two limited quarterbacks here, two limited offenses, but Aaron Jones will be able to move the ball a little bit. This game should be ugly. I'll give me the three and a half all day. I live for a spread, and we always get it because these teams, especially this year, was bound to happen once these quarterbacks were dropping like flies. I have a hard time people being critical of the Giants. Like, how can you allow Tommy DeVito? It's like, well, they came into the season with a $40 million quarterback who was overpaid, but still a starting quarterback, and their backup was Tyrod Taylor. So the the one-two is pretty good. Like, Tyrod's got to be one of the better, more capable backups in the NFL. They both get fucking hurt. What are you going to do? Like, most teams don't have Brock Purdy as their third-string quarterback. If you get to the third-string quarterback, you're screwed. Now, this is kind of the season from hell for the Giants. The Cowboys coming off a loss, need to get their swagger back. Already played this team, beat the living piss out of them. The spreads, this is, you know, the Giants, depending on their matchups, could get, if they play the Eagles, I mean, you could be approaching 20, uh, 16 and a half. It's hard with Tommy DeVito to think that the Giants got 10 points in the bag, right? The with the over-under, the team total for the Cowboys, excuse me, for the Giants, the team total is 10 and a half. You never see a team total that low. And I would take the under uh, at 10 and a half. I laid 16 and 16 and a half with the Cowboys, and I never, it's very hard for NFL teams. Like This, this is a more of a college spread. NFL teams don't care about running up the score, right? So, like, and it's very difficult to build huge margin like you do in college. But Tommy DeVito, I mean, look, this is – we he, he couldn't start at Syracuse. He had a transfer at Syracuse. He's the worst quarterback I've ever had rated to start an NFL game, with one exception when Kendall Hinton, the wide receiver for the uh, Broncos, had to start <laughs> oh, yeah. during the COVID year. And they were 17-point under us. I think he finished one of eight. Uh, but DeVito, look, he played the Jets. And there was weather, and the Jets are a great day. They had, they finished the Giants finished with negative passing yards in the game, like negative seven passing yards. Last week they play a bottom five defense in the Raiders, and Aiden O'Connell, another backup quarterback. They lost thirty to six, thirty to six to the Raiders, and they so, got their they, the score wasn't even it was it wasn't even that close. Yeah, and so I just don't know how the Giants score here. And, and for what it's worth, the Cowboys, look, they should come out angry here. They don't have a look ahead. They have the Panthers on deck. And I, 
the Cowboys have already won. They beat the Jets, Patriots, and Rams by more than 17 points. Dak Prescott, and this is a super impressive stat. He's 27 and 11 against the spread when he's favored by six or more. 71%. Only quarterback in NFL history more profitable in that spot is Tom Brady. Part of that, not that's not all Dak. That's this Cowboys team, and they've always had a great pass rush, good secondary. Once they get a lead over a bad team, it's over, right? Michael Parsons, they bring the pressure, and they're just going to keep – they pin their ears Pick back. sixes. Pick I mean, sixes, they just, fumbles, yeah. it spirals out of control. <laughs> so as long as the Cowboys I, get a lead here early, it's over. I, like I, it, and I don't know how the Giants would get – got to have Barkley break an 80-yard run. you got to have fumbles – you know, fumbled kick. You, you, why corner. would you put eleven guys in the box? Why would you even have put a corner out there? No point. Yeah, how's Barkley going to run for ten yards? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's bad. Tommy DeVito is horrendous, and it's not like the Giants have good receivers. Like, there's nothing. All they can do. Waller, is Waller's out. Yeah, their offensive line's bad too. Um, so there's nothing that they can do here. So I laid it. I never lay it. I never lay sixteen in the NFL. I think it's going to end up closing up. Over 17. Um, and the Cowboys are just built to blow out bad teams because of that pass rush, because they play man and they're really aggressive. And an inexperienced quarterback, it, it's just over. I mean, you saw it with Dak. You even saw it against the Rams with Stafford, and then Stafford went out. You saw it against the Patriots when they won. You saw it against the Giants early in the season. And I, just to, to kind of put this into context, again, I a couple weeks ago, I played the Giants plus 14 and a half against the Bills in New York. That was with Tyrod Taylor, who's a starter caliber quarterback. Yeah. And the Bills defense been a bottom five D since their injuries. Now it's a kind of a similar price for the Cowboys at home against Tommy DeVito, the worst quarterback in the NFL. And the Cowboys have a top five D, unlike the Bills. So like, I think this line, I mean, I thought that Bills line was crazy, but this line should be over 17, I think. It's hard to price because like how bad is Tommy DeVito? I mean, I think some you could argue like some people will say like he's this bad. I think he's like this bad. So we'll see. But I think the Cowboys come out angry here, build a lead, and then it's just it's over from there. I don't know what the Giants can possibly do. And for what it's worth, the Cowboys offense is rolling right now. Uh, like I talked about last week, they're Dak's using his legs. They're throwing on early downs. And Lamb uh, looks awesome. Ferguson. Yeah, good. Lamb. Ferguson has emerged. So like the, the offensive line's now fully healthy. You got Tyron Smith back. And that offensive line did a tremendous job against that Philly D-line until the, the sacks late. But they were – and that's one of the best D-lines in the NFL. So I, I think this is a, a route, uh, like 35-3. I, I think the Giants, now with the injuries, I, I haven't seen the latest on Tyrod. Like, he's not out for the season, right? I mean, He, he could, could come, come back, back in a couple weeks. Uh, okay, so, so let's just assume he's out for a while. I think they're going to be in the running. We're recording this before Carolina, who's clearly not very good, but Carolina, could, you know, given their schedule, could rattle off a couple random wins. The Cowboys at Washington, then they play Belichick at home. I, Tommy DeVito ain't beating Belichick, and who knows? DeVito might not even be starting by then. The Packers at Saints, at Eagles, Rams. I mean, that could be an ugly game. That could be technically winnable. And then end with the Eagles. Who Who knows? Maybe that game doesn't matter to them. But even if the Eagles were playing backups, they would win that game. I, I think the Giants are in major play for the not just the number one pick, but just they might not win another game. And at one win max, like it, it could get even uglier. They're, some of the spreads against the Eagles, like at Philly on Christmas, I'm sure Philly's still playing for something there for the one yep. seed. That spread could be fucking enormous. 21. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it could be 21, which is, it's, I mean, we've seen like 27 once way, way back. But like, what do you think next week? If the, let's say they lose this game 30 to three, I mean, what's at Commanders next week? Are they a 10 point underdog against Commanders? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mac Jones, it's ugly. A big road favorite in New York. I'm, I mean, yeah, it's going to get ugly with the Giants. It'll be a race with them and then the Bears because the Bears have their pick and the Panthers pick. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, and then Jones isn't going to be like I don't I don't know when Jones is going to be ready, but um, that just and you can't predict injuries. You never that's was just a bad luck thing. But that contract just looks worse and yeah, worse. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. That they would have been better off just playing it out the franchise tag so he tears ACL and then you're just done with them. Yeah. Uh, or now, pay, the or only the only way it's not a disaster though if they do if it does lead them to the number one overall pick because yeah. Caleb can bitch and moan all he wants about not going like. He would definitely want to go to the New York Giants, right? Yeah. I mean, that's cha-ching. So yeah. that that would be, uh, and it could. Let's face it, Dayball went from easy guy to root for to like, are we sure that these guys know what they're doing? And yeah. that could save the guy's career, right? Yeah, no, you're right. No, I mean, or, now even the, if they get the second pick, fan, they get Drake May would be a big deal for them. Yeah, if you're a Giants fan. You want to lose every game, big time. Okay, uh, obviously Joe Burrow's kind of flexing his muscles right now. Is one of the best players in the sport. C.J. Stroud, like, let's face it, Ohio State guys, before that Georgia game, it, it just obviously he's a good player, but it's kind of like the Alabama thing with Tua and Mack. It's like, well, his team is so much better. His receivers are so sweet. And then that Georgia game, he's kind of parlayed that Georgia game into, like, I'm a playmaker. I mean, he was. I went back and watched all his passes in that. And I understand Tampa's. You know, Todd Bowles, who's an awesome defensive coordinator, you put him a head coach, his defense doesn't look like it does when he's the coordinator. But still, I mean, some of those throws – that layered throw toward the end of the game that ultimately led to the touchdown in the corner at like the eleven yard line was like, damn, that's that looked like Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes. So CJ Stroud, I think, feels like a lock offensive uh rookie of the year. And just like a guy who's gonna change that franchise, him and D'Amico gonna be a tandem for a long time. Cincinnati's kind of been rolling high, kicking ass, taking names the last two weeks. I mean obviously kicked the shit out of the Niners. I thought last week the score was closer than the actual game that I witnessed because they shoved the Bills around. There's a big spot for the Texans, who I, a couple weeks ago I bet on them and they let me down. who they lose to? Was it Carolina? Carolina. They, yeah, that was you know one of those. This game, though, it's it's hard. Like, Have they arrived? Or are they just like a year? Are they a 7-10 and 10 team? And then next year, when they get some more picks, more free agents, they're you know competing to be a wild card spot. That's... I don't know. I mean, I think this week's a big week. If they go in and even just play tight, maybe you got to take them for real as a as a playoff contender. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Stroud is for real. I also think Tank Dell is for real. He's stud. Uh, he's all amazing, amazing. Did you rock. know about that guy in college? I honestly, yeah. I didn't know that much about him. I loved him at Houston. Um, he was just a, a, an absolute machine. He his he's like a mini Tyreek and some of and how he can juke and get separation. I feels like, you know, remember when the Colts took T.Y., different player, but it was like, Jesus, this guy's good. Yeah. That's what this guy, you, you got this guy in the third round? Yeah, you could see it right away, you could see it right away in his first game. Um, but Stroud is playing, I mean, he's on pace to have one of the best rookie seasons in the history of the NFL for a quarterback. This offense is playing really well, and it all opened, it all happened because of that Carolina loss. So in that game, and this has happened a few other times this year, Slowick, who's a you know, used to be with the 49ers. Shanahan disciple. Well, he sometimes he he wants to establish the run because that and the 49ers can always do that. You have good backs and good offensive line. 
but the, the Texans can't really run it this year. Uh, Pierce doesn't really fit the scheme, and then your backups aren't that good. So against Carolina, he just kept trying to run it. I, I, the, I, the Niners also have a blocking tight end in Kittle and a fullback in Juszczyk, so they got like seven offensive linemen. Yeah, and the best left tackle in the NFL, um, and like one of the best running backs. Like the, the Texans don't have that. They were At the Panthers, they just kept trying to run it and run it and run it. And then it's like, please open up the offense. Last week, all early down throws and just let – they gave Stroud the keys. And they let him sling it. Threw for 450 yards. D'Amico came out after and said, yeah, this is what we need to do. We need to rely on our strengths. So I'm confident they're going to come out here and let Stroud throw. And this Bengals defense is vulnerable. Um, look, they lost both their safeties from last year. Last year they played like 10 backup quarterbacks. Their, their coordinator is very good in Arumo. But the Stud. secondary, I think, is overrated. If you and look, they've been getting so lucky. Their defense. You meant the forty. Go back to the 49ers game. The 49ers had four hundred and sixty yards in that game, for what it's worth. McCaffrey fumble inside the ten. You had a freak pick by the defensive lineman. Go back a week before that. The Bills also freak fumble in the red zone. Pur- Purdy threw for three hundred fifty yards in that game. Yeah, torched them. Back to S- Seattle, Cincy game. Seattle doubled up Cincy in yards at 400 yards. Only scored 17 points. They didn't score. They didn't score in the red zone five times. The last two drives ended in the red zone with no points. Turned it over on downs. They have been getting so lucky. So if you remove, so you can look at you know EPA per play on defense. Bengals around middle of the pack defense. But if you remove turnovers and the impact of turnovers, which a lot of times are just fluky, they dropped the 25th, 24th against the pass. So this defense is vulnerable, and they've been getting away with it. It's also a bad spot for Cincy. Uh, come off that big win against the Bills. You have the Ravens next week. Could come out a little flat air. Jamar Chase also might not play, which would be huge. So you can get it. There's a plus seven, minus 115 out there. I pay for the seven, up to up to minus 120. I think it's worth it in this spot. But And Zach Taylor, he's only two and five. Small sample size. Two and five against the spread as a favorite of a touchdown or more. Once When they get a lead, they get a little bit too conservative, and then they don't let Burrow cook, and Burrow's cooking now. I mean, the Burrow's all the way back. This is going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL, especially when Chase is healthy. The first six weeks when Burrow was rusty and dealing with an injury, there's a you can look at uh, yards above replacement adjusted for opponent. You combine all six of Burrow's first starts, he was a total of two yards above a replacement-level quarterback, two yards over six weeks. The last two weeks – Plus one six one sixty eight last week plus one ninety two, so yeah the Bengals offense all the way back they're going to score here. But if they're like up, then you I I, mean, I think that Houston's going to come out here and throw it from everything I saw last week, all the post game comments, and they should be able to throw it on this Bengals defense. But even if they're behind, you know Stroud can still keep up. They can they'll start to pass more, and then the Bengals start to go a little bit more conservative. They start to run it. They'll punt it on like fourth and ones. You see some of that with Shanahan and San Fran, too, sometimes, which is why in the past, at times, they haven't been great as favorites of a touchdown or more. So I just think that this is getting a touchdown with Stroud and the way this offense is playing against a defense that's been running a little too good, and it's just a good situational spot, sandwiched in between Buffalo and Baltimore, and then the chase injury. Like Even if he can go, he's probably not going to be 100%. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Makes it a lot easier on that Houston secondary. So yeah, I'll take I'll take this Houston offense Stroud in a good spot catching a touchdown right now, even if they're down ten late. You know, I have full confidence they can get in the back door. But I think this will be a pretty uh, competitive game, especially if Chase doesn't play. Anything on uh, 
Raiders Jets. You know, obviously that that you know the first time interim head coach, you get a huge jolt. I I, I love the Giants, and that you knew about five minutes into that game, that was the wrong side. The Jets, I mean, they you talk about whatever game you were talking about earlier today, they just didn't get the fumbles or whatever. I mean, the Jets could have had a couple picks, some fumbles just didn't quite go their way in that game against the Chargers. I wonder if that looks a little different against Aiden O'Connell, <laughs> right? Do, do they get some of those? I, that, that's just a fascinating game. I, I mean, on, on paper, people are like, Jets, Raiders? I I can't wait to watch that thing because whoever wins is actually going to be feeling pretty good, especially if the Raiders win. You're like, God, is this team kind of alive now under Antonio Pierce? Yeah, we'll see if – I mean, like, the the you would have to imagine that going from, you know, the – They the hated coaches, that guy. Yeah, they, they can't they stop talking him. about how much they hate the guy. Yeah, but then the question is, like, it was Tommy DeVito. Right. So exactly. So we'll learn a lot more this week. And look, the what the Raiders do on defense is they just I mean, Max Crosby's a monster um, and he'll make all the Raiders do is they say you're not going to get explosive plays. It's very smart by their defensive coordinator, Grant. They say you're not going to get any explosive plays. We don't have great secondary. We don't have great linebackers. So you're going to have to work your way down the field. And then hopefully by that time, and it's worked. It's kept them in games. You know, all their games are like, besides last week, they're like 20 to 17, 20 to 6. They're all like low-scoring games. And then hopefully, you know, eventually Crosby will make a play. Or, you you know, Peters will jump a route. Or you'll, you know, have an incompletion. Or then you have to kick a field goal. That's what they're doing. So quarterbacks that can efficiently move the ball down the field with an efficient passing attack against elite quarterbacks, it's good. It's, it's, good. it's problematic for the Raiders. I mean, you saw that against Buffalo. Buffalo yeah. just destroyed him. Annihilated him. Zach Wilson's not capable of doing that. Zach Wilson's numbers no. against zone are horrible. And that's all the Raiders run pretty much. Cover three are horrifying. And he's, he's just well, not it's, it's why when the Chargers went up 7 nothing, I didn't understand. I understand you can't run the ball. Like The, the only way the Jets are going to be able to score is if you throw it and it tips off a hand, you get a pass rush fumble. I would ran it three and out, punt, three and out, punt. You will win the game. Yeah. And he had 21 pass attempts in the first half, and the Jets were kind of hanging, like close couple pick sixes and fumble sixes. Like, you guys are playing into their hand. That's the only way they can survive. Yeah. Yeah. You got to feel bad for the Jets, D, because they've played all these oh. quarterbacks, and they've played them all extremely well. No one's, I mean, what did Herbert have? Like 130 yards um, yeah. last week. So, yeah. So, I don't think the Raiders' offense is going to be able to do much. I don't think the Jets' offense is going to be able to do much. So, it, who's going to make the mistakes? Um, can Zach Wilson stay out of his own way? Yeah, I agree. It should actually be an intriguing watch. I think Zach Wilson's a one point favorite. If I had to, I, I would just, I just don't think Zach Wilson should ever be a favorite um, on the road, yeah. but I don't have a strong feel. It'll basically come down to like which quarterback makes a bigger mistake. Oh, the Jets defense is more likely to force it, but Zach Wilson is more likely to make it. So um, it's intriguing that aspect. And also, I want to see how this Raiders team just continues to respond. So I probably won't bet it, but uh, we'll be interested to watch. Okay, I'll get you out of here on this. If I would have told you, start of the season, that USC was getting 15 points going to Eugene, you'd be like, ah, oh, Caleb either left the program, got hurt, right? <laughs> and I honestly, after they lost last week, I thought he might just be like, okay, I'm, I'm over this. Technically, they're still alive. I mean, if they were to win this game, they could still go to the Pac-12 championship game. But that's that's a lot of points for a guy that's clearly pretty talented. I don't, now, that's a tough place to play, and that team a couple times have came out like gangbusters at home. But 15 points, Caleb Williams, seems like that extra that extra point. It's a lot. Yeah, 
I, I mean, look, last week USC, I mean, the defense was embarrassing as it has been all year. And Washington actually had a smart game plan because USC's sector isn't bad. Washington hasn't been running it all year, and they ran it, and they just weren't touched. And you and Alex Grinch never adjusted. USC came out with two defensive linemen and just said, we're going to take away the pass. And Washington said, we're going to run it. And USC never did anything, and then Alex Grinch got fired. But the game, that game last week, I mean, if you look at the final score, I'm still surprised USC didn't get in the back door. Like, it kind of, they kind of just agree. Faded, faded away late. But Washington, and De- DeBoer is a great coach, late first half, fourth and six, goes for it, touchdown. Caleb, sloppy mistake, fumble. Under a minute, touchdown Washington. 14 points right there, um, which is the difference in the game. Because Washington, USC's offense did whatever it wanted. I mean, that game yeah. looked like uh, – uh, like you going to score 100 points based on the first half. You're like, I, this game's going to be 75 to 70. It was insane. Um, the, every, if you look at USC's last 20 runs in that game, they had one that went for one, one that went for zero. All the other runs were for 10 or more yards. Like, it was – Oregon's a lot better on defense, obviously. Yeah, Oregon's a lot better on defense. I also just worry, like, there's two things. I don't know. I probably won't bet this game uh, because, one, like, what's USC going to do on defense? I don't know. Like, can you really make that many changes? No, you can't. That's going to be – you can't make change, like, you know, week 10. But it's a defense going to – they just don't tackle, right? Like, the amount of missed tackles and just laziness. So, like, without Grinch, do they play – just as the defense come out more fired up and inspired, maybe, and then you make some more tackles because I mean, like Buck Oregon on paper is one of the best offensive lines. Bucky Irving, they're going to just go run right over them, and then you have Bo Nix too. But at, you, at the end of the day, you're getting fourteen and a half with Caleb. I just don't know where their heads at after last week, and they've played nine weeks in a row. Their, their bye doesn't come until before the Pac-12 championship. Um, and USC fans were saying before the year, like, "Oh yeah, we have a bo- we have a buy to get ready for the Pac-12 championship." Well, you're not going to be there, but uh, they played like every week. They're the only team in the country that hasn't had a buy, I believe. Um, so they got to be pretty exhausted. That's pretty wild. Yeah. And um, so I just don't know. I, what I, the the, the only thing that makes me nervous about taking SC because that's a lot of points would be if they get down pretty big in like the first half, they basically quit. You know, their season would be kind of over, and that that's definitely on the table with. With their head coach, they they feel like they got quit written over them. Started with Lincoln, yeah. And and the thing with USC is that Caleb Williams has no like. So the defense is so bad. So like everyone, every competent team that you play scores every possession. Right. Go back to Cal. Cal put up forty nine, went for two, would have won if they got it. And then Williams, his receiving core isn't as good as it's been. The offensive line isn't as good as it's been. Terrible. So he, it's basically on him, and he's almost keeping up. But he has to make all these plays. So, and it, a lot of it's scrambling, creating room. He's got to hold the ball, create room. One fumble, like last week, two fumbles, you know, or two or three mistakes like Notre Dame, then it's a blowout. Multiple so he scores has to swing. Be perfect. Because if he's any mistake, it's seven right away to the other team. And then you're down two scores and you're never going to close the gap. So that's the risk playing when you play USC against it. But over two touchdowns, yeah, I'd probably take USC or nothing, but uh, I'm I'm not I'm not betting that team. They've I bet them twice this year, which was twice too many. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I gotta, I'm gonna think I'm gonna sleep on that one. Okay, Stucky, uh, let's have a good week and fucking get the Texans back on the winning circle. Absolutely, have a good one. Talk to you next week. Later.
the volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> Redwood Forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.